So I'm here at Beverly Manor with uh, Corey Sharp, the principal, and uh, we spoke recently and uh, he shared with me a dream he had for the kids here at the school. So tell us about that. So Dave, we've got our Sunnyland Branch Library that may or may not be staying open, but also you see around these neighborhoods all these little miniature libraries are getting put in. We were thinking how great it would be every kid benefits from reading. Mm -hmm. Every kid would love, we can get a book in their hands and the conversations that come from it. So our first thought was if we could get a book in every kid's hand, it's not just a library book they're returning, but something to own and get one for every single month that we bring in a high interest book. Yeah. Lay them all out, pick the one you like, make sure we don't have a stack of just a hundred of the same copies of books. If we get a high interest book in all their hands, send six of them home over six months of the course of that school year, how great of not only readers, but how well read they're going to be, how diverse they're going to have an experience of the stories they read, but then the conversations they have with the parents over dinner as they close up the book, as they're telling them, hey, get off the video game, I'm not, I'm on my book. We want those types of experience to be happening with our kids. To cover fourth through sixth grade, or even if I could get all the way to our eighth grade students, to be able to put a book in each of those kids' hands was going to be stretching it for my budget, for as a principal's budget. Mm -hmm. So if we could get enough that builds that, and I can go through and order each of those, those kids, I know that when I take pictures of the program that's going on, we're gonna have a lot of elated kids. Well, good morning. Great to see all of you here this morning. Welcome to those of you watching online as well. My name's Dave, I'm the lead pastor here, and that video was just a little bit of an intro into something we're doing here called Give 2021. In fact, next weekend is we're gonna have our big opportunity to give, and we've done this the last couple of years now. We've, as a church, looked for some local organizations that we can partner with around the Christmas time, um, and we can raise some money here through the church to help these organizations. Uh, the four that we've chosen this year um, are Dream Center Peoria, Threads Hope, of Lo Threads, Hope, and Love, and you're gonna hear more about those two organizations next Sunday. And then the other two organizations are Compassion International, we'll be talking a little bit about them later in the service, and District 50, Beverly Manor Middle School. And the reason we thought of them is uh, Corey Sharp is the principal of that school. He attends here at Connect, and we've talked over the years about dreams he has for that school and wish lists, and, and sometimes uh, the budget dollars in the school just don't stretch to do everything that he would like to do. And Justin, who works here at the church with us, he and I were there earlier this week to make that video, and we were talking to Corey before the video, and he was sharing with us you know, how grateful he is that we've um, agreed to partner with them and help with this initiative to get a brand new book in the hands of a student every month next year, uh, fourth through sixth grade ideally, but if we raise enough money, seventh and eighth grade as well. Uh, he just thinks that'll help them become better readers uh, with the library in Sunnyland possibly closing down. It'll give them more access to books that they don't just take home, but that they get to keep maybe pass on to a sibling or put in one of those little libraries around town. But he just sees the benefit of getting the hands or the books in hands of kids. So he was telling me that they've got all sorts of ideas like this and uh, he'll do 
whatever he can to raise the funds for this. They did a thing recently where if kids bought in money, they could pie him in the face. And uh, he ends up getting, I think he said like 70 or 80 pies in the face because kids brought in that much change. Uh, there was a year where they duct taped him to the wall. Uh, he's thinking about doing something where he's going to shave his head. And, and Justin and I were talking about on the way back saying, isn't it sad that um, he's having to come up with these creative ideas to raise money because it's not enough in his budget to do this. There's something wrong there with the, the spread of um, the, the resources there that schools have to do these kind of things. So, so as a church, we're thrilled that we can partner with them and help meet one of the dreams, one of the visions they've got as a school. And the reason we do this around this time of the year is because maybe you're like me here this morning and you're, you're approaching this season with Black Friday is going to be the day after Thanksgiving and you're going to be enticed to spend so much money on all these great deals on appliances and big screen TVs and whatever else. And then that's just kind of kickstarting the, the weeks leading up to Christmas where we have so many advertisements and all this pressure to buy stuff for our kids, for our family. And, and it can get a little exhausting, can't it? And, and I think it's especially uh, for all of us, but especially if you're a follower of Jesus, we wrestle with that a little bit because we don't want to get caught up in the, the materialistic, consumeristic size, side of the holiday. But at the same time, we love giving gifts and we love blessing family members. So we're kind of torn between the two. So one of the things we've always done as a family is we've tried to make sure that as well as the gifts we give one another, we always try and find a way to give back to someone else at Christmas time. Sometimes we'll try and make sure that the largest gift we buy or the biggest expense will be to someone outside of our family so that our family can understand the importance of giving to others in need at Christmas time. And so I think some people at Connect feel the same way. So we, we've given you this opportunity. So it's, it's pretty simple. Give 2021. Uh, the concept is that we're asking every family at Connect if they would consider giving $20.21 for every member of their family. So if you're a, a couple today, or if you're a married couple, that would be $40.42. If you're a family of four, that would be $80.84. And you can kind of do the math. And, and if that's all that everyone gave, we'd still raise well over $10,000 just based on who currently attends Connects. So that's a great impact for these organizations. But the cool thing is that there are some of you who um, are particularly generous and, and are in a position where you can give a little bit more than just $20.21, and some people have already started to give over and above, and we are so grateful for that. And um, you can give to that fund any point from now on, but next Sunday is going to be a big Sunday where we're going to really encourage people to come ready to give. So you can be talking about that as a family this week, praying about that, and seeing what it is that, that you guys could do this season, this Christmas season to give back to others. And if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you might already feel somewhat compelled to do this because the Bible talks a lot about this. In fact, Jesus himself talked about this. We're gonna look at a story that Jesus told this morning, probably one of the most famous stories he ever told. And we're gonna see from this story that Jesus was very clear about um, the opportunity we have to make a difference in others' lives, the opportunity we have to give back to others. 
So this story was told by Jesus and Luke, who was one of the four guys who wrote about the life of Jesus, there was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke tells this particular story and um, he is recounting this story. And before Jesus tells the story, Luke introduces us to the uh, conversation that's going on between Jesus and this religious leader that led up to this story being told. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, one day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So this teacher of religious law, he's come to Jesus to to ask this question. But if you've ever heard of the phrase, it's getting more and more common these days of someone being a troll or an internet troll or that person's just trolling you. Uh, That may be a new phrase to you. But basically what it is, is it's somebody who will intentionally get into a chat room or a a Facebook conversation or wherever it might be and um, maybe make a statement or ask a question that really... They're not specifically wanting the answer for. They're just trying to elicit some kind of response. That's called trolling. Well, we have an example here of a 2,000-year-old or a 2,000 years ago troll. This is, this is exactly what's happening. This, this guy asking this question, he doesn't really want to know specifically the answer to this question. In fact, Luke tells us that he was asking this to test Jesus. So why would this question test Jesus? Well, it turns out that amongst ancient Jewish legal experts, of whom this guy would have been one, there was this ongoing attempt to prioritize the commandments. So these Jewish leaders and people in Jesus' time, they were standing on the shoulder of Moses and, and all the commandments and the laws that had been handed down generation upon generation. And God had instituted these laws, but then the Jewish people, they'd added laws to them to make sure that it was easier to obey these laws. We better add some more laws just to make it easier to understand and obey these. So the laws were growing and growing and growing. And there was this ongoing debate amongst the leaders as to which of the laws were more important. Their debates considered which laws were light and which were weighty. And in this case, this guy talking to Jesus Their goal wasn't to gain insight from Jesus, but to induce him to say something that they could use to discredit him. That's why this guy was testing Jesus, because there were many schools of thought as to which law was the most important. There were many schools of thought as to which one should be obeyed to inherit eternal life. So when this guy was asking Jesus' question, he was kind of trolling him because he was hoping that Jesus' response would, would draw him near to some but would alienate him from others. That he would have Jesus give some kind of a divisive response. But Jesus was on to them. He knew exactly what was going on and he's so wise And he's so smart. So instead of falling for their trap, he answers his question with a question of his own. He turns the tables on this religious leader. Verse 26, Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So now this guy's being put to the test. He has to answer. He's pretty smart. He answers, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this is a really good answer. Because, and Jesus has already taught on this in other places, like I said, there were dozens and dozens, hundreds of laws that the Israelites had to follow religiously. 
And in Jesus' time, there was this ongoing debate as to which law was most important and which one should we follow and which one's Jesus saying we don't need to follow anymore. So Jesus basically says, listen, you can kind of narrow it down to two laws if you want. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you follow those two, you're basically covering everything. If you want me to simplify it even more, love God and love others. If you're here this morning and you're new to church or you're a newer follower of Jesus and you're striving to try and find out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I would say the best place to start is love God and love others. That's where Jesus started because that covers a huge amount of all of these laws. And that's what the guy said. And Jesus is impressed. He says, right, do this and you will live. And if the guy had walked away at that point, he'd have been just fine. But he couldn't leave it alone. He wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, it's funny, isn't it? Because when we read these stories, we might think, well, that's a weird question to ask. Why is this guy asking that particular question? Well, the reason was, he was looking not just to trap Jesus anymore, but to, to justify his own way of living. And Jesus knows why he's asking this particular question. So Jesus decides, instead of just coming out and explaining who your neighbor is, he decides to, to answer in the form of a story. We know them today as parables, and uh, this is probably one of his most famous parables. And the great thing about the stories that Jesus told, the parables that Jesus told, they weren't these kind of weird stories that people wouldn't really fully understand. They were stories about farmers and about birds, and about shepherds, and, and his audience at the time, they would have all been able to relate to these stories that Jesus told. And this story that he's about to tell would be very relatable, because in the story, he's going to talk about a place and an event that everyone listening would have known about. Everyone would have known about this particular place. They would have known about the, the situation of what happened in these places. Because you see, when this guy came and asked Jesus this question, it wasn't a secret thing. It was like, hey, Jesus, I need you to come away from the crowds just for a second because I want to ask you this question. No, he intentionally asked Jesus in front of everyone because he was trying to trap him. So now Jesus gets to respond to this guy one-on-one -on -one with an audience listening. So he tells him a story that he knows that the audience will relate to. So to set up the story he's about to tell, I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a little bit of a sketchy place, like maybe you were, um, you were, you were out of town, you were traveling, and you, you jumped on your phone on Google Maps because you had to stop and get some food or some gas, and it told you there was something at this exit, so you pull off, and, and as you pull into this area, you kind of look, and you're like, yeah, this, we're not eating here, guys. <laughs> you're right back on the interstate. You just, you just know this isn't a place that would be very safe to stop and eat and get gas. Years ago, um, Casey and I, my wife, we ran a ministry program for young adults, and we would travel around the country working with different churches, and one of the experiences we got to have was um, working with a conference down in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we would serve at that conference, we'd help out, and we'd get to go and see some of the sessions, and I remember one year, one of the first years we went, we took about 10 or 12 students down there, we drove all the way down there, and we were staying there for about three days, and we were on a pretty tight budget, so I remember jumping online, and it was long enough ago that I don't think TripAdvisor was around, so I was just kind of looking on for hotels based on price, and I found this one. I was like, wow, 
that's really reasonable. That's a very cheap place to stay. This will work perfectly. And it was just five minutes from where we were going to be. So I booked two or three rooms at this place. And we got there and I dropped all the students off at the conference center and I drove to this hotel. And as I pulled into the parking lot, I started to get this feeling as to why it was so cheap. It's like, okay, this kind of looks a little bit sketchy. I'm not sure about this. And I went and checked in and got the keys to the room and I went into the rooms and straight away it was like, okay, these are really pretty rough rooms. The beds hadn't been made properly. They didn't really look very clean. It was like just paper thin towels. I was thinking, ah, oh, this isn't a good place to stay. So, but I wasn't completely convinced. So we went back to the convention center and there was a lady that was helping us and she lived in the area. And I said, hey, I said, you, you know this area well. I said, we're uh, staying in a hotel in this particular community. And straight away by the look on her face, I knew Oh, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> Not only did she know that area of town, she knew that hotel. She said, I know the hotel you mean. It's very well known around here. The reason it's well known is because the county uh, and the state actually uses that hotel a lot. It's kind of a transitional housing place for, for prisoners who, when they're released, before they found permanent accommodation, permanent living, they house them in this hotel. I'm like, Great. <laughs> That's probably why there weren't any mints on the pillows when I got there. <laughs> this isn't really uh, the best. So I went back and I was really worried that we we're going to lose a bunch of money. But I said to the uh, lady reception, hey, I'm ever so sorry, but we're going to have to cancel all these rooms and, and stay somewhere else. She's like, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we're kind of used to this. So we canceled all the rooms and we uh, found somewhere much nicer and upscale. It was a Super 8, I think, just up the road. And we, we, uh, we stayed there and... Uh, but I had no idea, but everyone who lived in this area knew the reputation of this neighborhood and this particular hotel. So Jesus is about to tell a story. And in this story, he's going to talk about a place that everyone would have been familiar with. It was a road that led from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in fact, the locals would have known it by its nickname. That was the Bloody Pass. The bloody path. The road was, was less of a road and more of kind of a narrow path, twisting and turning with cliffs and caves all on each side. And it was actually the perfect spot for, for people to hang out and to hide and for, for bad things to happen. In fact, the name, the bloody path, was, was given because of all the violence that commonly occurred on this particular road. So Jesus is about to tell the story that we know as the Good Samaritan, some of us are very familiar with this story. As I read it, you'll recognize it. But this wasn't just a story that, that Jesus was kind of pulling out there. People would have known exactly the spot that Jesus was talking about. They may very well have known people who had suffered the same fate as the person in this story. So let's listen to this story. Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Now, two silver coins would have been enough money to keep that guy in the inn for about two weeks. So it's a lot of money. 
And he said to the innkeeper, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three, this is Jesus asking, would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, now go and do the same. So this guy's come to Jesus to try and trap him. In the end, Jesus has told this story that we're gonna discover here actually traps the religious leader. Because you see, the religious leader, when he asked that question, who is my neighbor, was asking for a reason. You see, in Jesus' time, these, these religious leaders, these, these Jews, they, 